You are listening to Prickly and Blooming. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Howdy, y'all. Here we are again. I can't thank you enough for coming here again. Like, here we are. You're listening. I'm talking. <laughs> we do this often, about once a week. It fills my heart with joy. I hope it fills you with joy. And we've got an unusual circumstance this week. The tables are turned, and I have a friend interviewing me this week about what we're doing on this show. So um, I joked in the beginning of our recording, I said we could call it the Blooming and Prickly episode where we just reverse things and we we just flip-flop it. It's the same, but it's different. (laughs) It's me and someone else, but I'm answering the questions this time. Am I, though? Am I answering the questions? (laughs) Am I rambling? A little bit of both. Gosh, I'm... Me? Ramble? No way. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, thank you. As you know, I am in a marathon race to get some downloads because I've entered myself and the show into a contest because I'm ready to go big time and I need your help. So if you've, well, it's so funny to be like, if you're listening to this, like if you can hear me, you're clearly listening to this. And if you're listening to this, you've downloaded one episode. Can you download some more, all of them? Follow the show, subscribe the show, share the show, please. Pretty, 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 please. This indie podcaster, mama entrepreneur, uh, hustler (laughs) would really love this opportunity. And I'm ready for this opportunity. I guess that's it. I'm I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I don't need to do more. Like there's, that's it. Please help. Please download the show. Please share the show. Give it, um, send out a text, a link to, you know, my, my profile on your email to your squad (laughs) link to the show Uh, look am I answering questions or am I just jumbling words I I don't know (laughs) I would really 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 appreciate your support and help and I feel really good and I want to crush this and like I said this this indie podcaster mama entrepreneur lady here in the corner of my room would love to have a platform to share the stories of all these amazing women. And right now, this is giving me joy amongst the dark cloud of chaos that seems to be flowing over our world. And I want to lean into this. I want to lean into contributing and sharing stories and lifting women up. And I remembered why I started this. No, I always know why I started, but like there's this one little, little, little detail that came up when Amanda was interviewing me. You'll hear it in a little bit, but I want to talk about it right now. I believe in the stories of quote unquote, and I hate this, and I'm using my hand quotes, everyday women. I love nothing more when a woman tells me it'll be short. I don't have much to say. I don't have much of a story. And I'm just here saying, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. You are magic. Your life is magic. Your goals are magic. The family you've created is magic. And I 
I believe in the power of your story. I believe in the power of sharing your story. I believe in you. I believe in all of you. I believe in myself. Anyway, I hate the term everyday women, but I don't know how else to explain the feeling of the universality of our experiences and our lives and how important that is. And the magic doesn't come from reading about a celebrity. It doesn't come from like who wore it best (laughs) and those sorts of media. It comes from this. It comes from sitting down with the women in my community and the women in my world, the women I don't know, the women in my periphery, the women who just stumbled upon me and putting a microphone in front of them and saying, tell me what makes you you. And I, I thank you so much if you've gotten this far and thank you for your time. Okay, I'm going to stop talking and we're going to meet Amanda and then Amanda's going to talk to me. Okay, rate the show as well. Rate the show. Download the show. Download, download, download. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, everyone. So today I have like a reverse. Um, we, let's call it blooming and prickly. <laughs> like we'll reverse it. <laughs> and I have someone here with me who's going to be asking me the questions this week. And um, I want to introduce you to my friend. And she's also in the podcast world and she's also from Texas. And it's also like, there's just a lot of overlap in um, the Venn diagram of, <laughs> of you in my life, Amanda. So um, I have Amanda with me. Hello, Amanda. Hello. Hi. So Would you like me? You know what? I think it's better. I want to hear your voice. Tell us what you do. Okay. Um, Well, my name is Amanda Roscoe Mayo, Mm -hmm. and I know Jesse from Marfa Mm -hmm. when it was really rad to live there. I mean, I guess it's always rad to live there, but, you know, we were some (laughs) some of the OGs. And I am a podcast launch specialist, podcast coach, and producer. And I kind of got my start out there in West Texas at Marfa Public Radio, Mm Went into some music journalism stuff for KQED Arts, which is the NPR station in San Francisco, when I moved away from Marfa, and for seven years ran a weekly podcast at a community radio station here in Chicago. So I moved into the coaching space two years ago and have been basically coaching underrepresented voices on how to launch and maintain an audio project or podcast. So I only work with people whose voices are global majority and lacking in the podcast space or media in general. Cool. And needing representation, if you will. Yes. Got it. That sounded like needing legal representation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they might, the way the podcast world is going, we'll see. They might really. So I invited Amanda here to, to talk to me, like, I guess we'll say interview me about this shift in the show and how I've been, um, you know, talking to women from Texas. And in fact, I reached out to Amanda when I first started this idea and she gave me this idea. She's like, if you want me to jump on and, you know, ask you the questions. And so then this week I was like, Hey girl, (laughs) 
<laughs> Can we do that? So here we are. So I'm going to hand over the reins to Amanda. Amanda's taking away the show, everyone. So I'm going to like turn and be like, yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I always think it's good to do sort of a check-in too, because mm-hmm. you have been in this for four seasons now. You're like mm-hmm. midway through your four season. So I think it's always good to sort of like take a temperature and also like give new listeners a chance to understand like where you were coming from, where you where you landed, where you're going, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on that and then just kind of let the conversation go. Love it. Yeah. So we're nine episodes into season four. Mm-hmm. Five of those are the new concept. Mm-hmm. So I just want to know, like, again, your loyal listeners probably know all about the old concept, but can you summarize sort of like wh- what your concept was when you started before you made the shift? So I focused all the, like the beginning of the show, the question I always asked was, tell me about a time when you said this can't be my life or just not this, or um, what's the other one? It's all the euphemisms for the moment of change becomes less than, you know, the, the pain of staying the same. And we would then go on this personal narrative and the, the topics that we covered were just amazing. You know, I've, I was able to bring women into the deep end with me. I like to say, like, we weren't talking about shallow, like topics. We're not talking about like closet reorganizations. We're talking about suicide ideation. We're talking about divorce. We're talking about mental health struggles. We're talking about postpartum depression and psychosis. We're talking about like, I like to call it big talk, you know, not small talk, but big talk. And the show would follow the same structure and we'd have different stories, but it always, you know, was so invigorating for me to hear how women got to the other side of these things in their life, if you will. And, and then I wanted to focus it a little bit. Um, and that led us to, you know, the, the last few shows have been a Texas theme because I am from Texas right now. Okay. I'm not from Texas. Hold on. Let me roll that back. I'm from Massachusetts (laughs) (laughs) and, um, I'm coming up on 20 years, um, in this state next month. I left Massachusetts 20 years ago, October of 2001. And, it's an identity that I've struggled with and it's actually very timely right now. There's a lot of news coming out of Texas and I want to explore what it means for women to live in this state and what we look like and what we do and the stories that we have and the lives that we lead and the businesses that we you know, launch. And I just, I'm utterly fascinated by the stories of women and how they overcome and how they persevere and how they are moms and, you know, My driving force, ready from the very beginning, was I want to tell stories, and we're going to do this in quotes, everyone, of everyday women. Women who think they don't have a story usually have the most universal story, the ones that people can connect to the absolute most. So I think I answered that and and more. (laughs) Your question. You did. You don't have to skip the next three questions. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. You know, what's interesting to me is that, so I have lived a lot of places. So I'm originally from the Midwest, the suburb of Chicago. We moved to Texas when I was 13. So I did sophomore year of high school on there. Um, And then I lived in like three different cities in Texas, which is also a whole different beast. And then moved to California. I've also lived in, you know, New York and Baltimore. And now I'm in Chicago. But it's interesting because like everywhere that I've lived, for some reason, has this like insane loyalty bond. So it's definitely a thing that I'm like super familiar with. Mm-hmm. But 
Texas next level a whole different yeah because like it literally like could be its own country if it wanted to like it's the only state in the union that was at one point Mm -hmm. and could still like feasibly secede if they really want to um but so i think that there's like i don't know what that is i don't know what the point is that i'm making but i think that there's some sort of there's something there Mm -hmm. in terms of like not just identifying as a woman who lives in Texas, but what it means to be a Texan mm-hmm. woman also. Mm-hmm. Have you found what that key is or that linchpin is yet? Or is that something that you're interested in exploring? Mm, I'm so interested. So a long time ago, I had a necklace on and it's a wooden cutout of the shape of Texas. And I was at my husband's family, some some sort of family get together. And a cousin of his, I said, um, said to me, you have a, wait, you have a, Texas necklace on and I was like I do and she's like you're from Massachusetts and I was like I am (laughs) and and that might have been the real beginning of me thinking about this you know not constantly but like just having like a, a mental back and forth in my mind of like what does that mean when am I from Texas is it 20 years is it half your life is it never is it you know you have to be five generations deep before you can be considered a Texan like there are these quote-unquote rules in this state and I find it absolutely fascinating and of course if I want to get like altruistic it's whenever you decide you want to be a Texan you know like it's hats, the boots, the, the whatever. It's whenever you want to take it into your heart is what I would get to. The, like, that's the assumption. That's the response I've gotten to after ruminating on it for 20 years now, right? But that's not what a lot of people would say. <laughs> a lot of people would say, you know, you never would be a Texan. Yeah, you have to be like multi-generational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like are your ancestors in the dirt here? And I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I think it's also very fascinating right now that we just added two seats, redistrict, not redistrict, but the, the after our census, right? We are, California lost two and we gained two. So Texas is going through something. And I just kind of want to be a, a an active observer of it a, a reporter if you will <laughs> on what it means to live in the state and then specifically what it means to live in the state as a woman and I guess the answer you know like I said is, is when you've taken it into your heart and I think there's a lot of people that live in the state and that don't want to take it into their heart either yeah, and I think also right now, especially, is an interesting time to... Uh-huh, to think that. <laughs> well, and to just be a woman mm-hmm. in Texas. Like, and the mm-hmm. other thing that people may not know, but Texas will never self-identify as being from the South. Nope. We'd say that we're the Southwest, always. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, South is still in that nomenclature, mm-hmm. and, like, there's a big difference between Southern women and other women. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of that stuff that really bleeds into Texan culture, which is being reflected in legislature and the way that women are still culturally represented in Texas. Yes. I never knew I was a Southern woman at heart. (laughs) 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 And I am, you've known me for a long time now. Like I, I fit into the Southern hospitality and the Southern mindset real easy. I had no idea. It didn't take me long to shed my Yankee skin, if you will. Oh gosh, this is a great story. So I moved to Austin and like I said, in 2001, it was November of 2001 and I um, had rented a duplex and I was in the driveway and my neighbor comes out of his side and he was like, ah, Yankees, huh? And I was like, no dude, I'm from Massachusetts Red Sox. (laughs) 
And then it dawned on me, he was referring to the North and the South type of Yankees. And I was like, mortified like I was full on Yankee like whoa you guys like talk like this you know <laughs> like you're, oh you mean the Civil War oh I was talking baseball it, and it, how far I've come you know how far I've come and I think that I've struggled with my Yankee identity too I had a friend tell me one time that I was the least Yankee Yankee he's ever known and I took that as a huge compliment um and now I am welcoming that identity back like I will I will very much be like, yes, I'm not from Texas, you know? Oh, but what does Lila Lovett say? But Texas loves you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's not entirely true. No, nope. no. Who you're talking to. Yes, <laughs> yes. I've also really, like, in in this moment when things feel just like, in Texas, like, kind of strife, I feel like it's a great time to actually share these stories. It'd be like, there's, there's more going on here, you know? And I think the women of Texas are just, super fucking dynamic they are it's very true (laughs) and texas itself has so many different cultural climates in it as well Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and physical climates you know well yes that too i just saw my one of my children is starting the texas year at school like fourth grade i think it is and there was a map of the the coastal plains the i can't remember you probably remember the four regions i don't know i never went through it i don't know i didn't i wasn't there for elementary oh that's right yeah learn it yep that's right But yeah, it has like seven different ecosystems in it or something crazy like that. Going back to the concepts, what initially like planted the seed for you wanting to do this? Probably my own ruminations, you know, over the years and just toying with the identity personally, you know, and I mean probably coming up on the own this whole this whole anniversary for me is this would now be half my life this is half my life that I've spent in Texas I was 21 when I moved here I'm about to be 42 I'm fascinated by my own journey through this you know of my own identity and then my own story and so if if I'm thinking about it, I know there's other people that are thinking about it too. And I would also love to dive into the history of women in Texas. Oh, they're over here. There's a stack of books behind me that um, I want to get to and maybe do some historical little dives into some women of Texas history. So that's something else I'd like to do. I love that. Yeah, for my own uh, education and you know, for, like I said, all these new people that are coming to the state. If you want to learn, like, do you know who Barbara Jordan is, everyone? You know, I know you do, but <laughs> I think, you know, she's a real obvious one to start with. I mean, well, now you have to tell us who she is, so. <laughs> you can't just drop that enough. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, should we do the full biography? You know, like, where she started in the Texas. Just the uh, Yes. So she was um, a state representative or senator first before she went on to be... I think she was a rep. I think she was a rep, too. And then she moved on to um, the U.S. representation from Texas, and she was actually there for the uh, Watergate. She was part of the Judiciary Committee that voted, you know, to investigate Watergate. I think that's right, right? I think (laughs) so. Yeah. Like, I remember hearing her voice. Um, Her friends and colleagues referred to her voice as the voice of God because she had this booming amazing presence and voice and um she's a black woman i guess i should mention that that was pretty relevant to her career and this is in the 70s and um oh gosh this word just sucks trailblazer um Mm -hmm. she was so much more than that so i have her in my sights of of my history uh dives she would she would be a good place to start 
Okay, so then why, I mean, I know why, because we talked about this, but for your mm-hmm. listeners, why did you decide to go ahead and completely shift this? I mean, I know it's not a complete shift, but it kind of is a complete shift. Um, like mid-season, why did you not want to finish out your old concept with a season and start over? I had had some episodes already recorded. I did not want to, you know, not use those. They were really good episodes at the beginning of the season. Like I interviewed Karen Traeger, who's an author of a book called My Soul is Filled with Joy. And it's about her in-laws who survived um, the Holocaust. So I had some really great material already recorded. So I was like, well, I'm going to go forward with that. But then it didn't feel true to my heart to then book more guests of that nature that didn't have the Texas, you know, focus that I wanted to turn to. So, you know, I, I remember saying, it was like my show, I can do what I want. I can just, you know, start doing Texas edition if I want right now. <laughs> and so I did. And um, I reached out to, you know, personal connections first. So it might feel a little weird in the beginning that I have a lot of people that I know first, but I'm also super excited to interview the, the women that I know. Um, the episode that just came out last week is someone that I reached out to pretty quickly as soon as I announced that I was looking for Texas women because she's just an endlessly fascinating character that I've known from Marfa and she's got a really cool career. She writes for Texas Monthly and I witnessed her evolve into that and so I reached out to her and she's, I said it on my social media, the way that she sees the world and reports on the world is she has this lens that is just, I I envy that, not in a bad way. I'm just like, oh, I want to see the world from that sort of place. So so I'm hitting up some people that I know first. Go find that episode last week with Steri Butcher. Like I said, she is a um, writer for Texas Monthly and she has a column. And we talked about like, Amanda will know this because we both used to live there. She did that whole article about the waves of how we wave in small towns, how many fingers, how boisterously, what they all mean. That was one of my favorite pieces of hers. I can explore more stories but with a more focused guest if you will you know a woman who lives in texas now a woman who was born in texas and left and however you identify as a woman by the way i'm open to that so we're we're limiting you know the the presence of the guest but we're expanding to just more stories Totally. Mm-hmm. And I also will say, just as a nod to you in general, and also perhaps Marfa, but, you know, interviewing people you know is, like, a different thing for you than it would be for most people, because people that you know are, like, really interesting and dynamic and mm-hmm. fascinating humans who have done really cool things in the yep. world. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the experience that I've had. And it sounds so silly to be like, I'm so excited to interview my friends, you know, <laughs> because they're really fucking cool people and they have cool jobs and they've done cool shit. And, you know, I just stumbled into them in this small town, a lot of them, you know? Well, yeah, but you also, I mean, it's a testament to you too. You mm-hmm. and Daniel both are very singular humans and yes. there's not, I don't think I've ever met anybody like you before. So you uh-huh. have always been very confident in who you are. And I think that you've always been really good about not surrounding your, yourself with people who waste your energy or your space. So you mm-hmm. only focus on people who can, can enrich your life or that you can enrich theirs. And I think that that's a testament to you and being an awesome Texan woman. Oh, well, thanks. I'm going to get a Kleenex now. <laughs> It's true. I'm sure people know this about you now after having you podcast for so long. Yes. Okay. I have two questions that I want to kind of like re-ask you to yes. uh-huh. help us like really hone in on this thing. So you kind of already touched on it, but I'm just going to re-ask them. So one of them is, what do you think makes women who identify as being Texan so special? 
Oh, chutzpah. <laughs> With the most non-Texan word, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Your Yankee is showing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the gumption, you know, just the, the cojones <laughs> of women who live in Texas. It is the South, like you touched on, but there's also this, that, that dang rugged independence of Texas extends to the women of the state. That does not stop at the men. You know, like, I don't know enough about Ann Richards. She'd be another great history dive, but like, she was, let's just like fly over. She was a motorcycle riding grandma governor of Texas, y'all. Like, like just that title alone, you know, like, what, where else in the world does like this culture and landscape and, you know, all of it come together in this weird, like representation of Americans <laughs> as well, you know? And I know that I'm not the only one who sees it and is fascinated by it. And what's that saying? Um, how do you know somebody's from Texas? I don't know. Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I've never like it's not that Massachusetts doesn't have like an identity. There sure the fuck is, you know. It's more of mass holes is what, you know, <laughs> we identify as. But I've never been in such a presence of 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 like I mean some even say it's cultish. Let's just say it. Some even say it's cultish. <laughs> and <laughs> yep, yep, there's just no denying it. And I I love it. I'm fascinated by it. I guess I was never in sororities. I was never in clubs. Like, and I've wrestled with like, am I in this one? You know, <laughs> what does it mean to be in this one? I'm literally like replaying all of the times in the last month alone that I like worked into a conversation that I was from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I, I think it must be exhausting for the rest of the country. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, why is that relevant? Well, I mean, kind of because people have a very strong opinion usually about mm-hmm. whether or not they're really excited about that or really not excited about that. Yes, yes, absolutely. People reveal a lot about sharing that nugget mm-hmm. <laughs> with somebody that you're talking to. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So my next one is, what do you hope to learn by embarking down this new concept path for your podcast? Ooh, well, so the the real obvious one is um, these history dives that I'll do. I would love to know my history. I'm a mom, you know that, and I've had four kids, you know, going to school now, and two of them are beginning their Texas educations, if you will. And I want to embark on my own little education and do the history of the women in the state and the legislative, you know, presence they've had um, nationwide and in the state. And then also the businesses they run. I'd love to like dive into, you know, random businesses that Texas women own and run and uh, like that you wouldn't know. Well, one you would know a lot of it's like Siete. Like let's talk about Siete Foods. Like they're huge presence, you know, and they're from Austin, I believe, or is it San Antonio? I think San Antonio. Right, yeah. But I could be wrong. So I kind of, I want to learn about the state through the people of the state. And I want that to include um, past, present, I guess, future. I don't know. Well, I just, that's a good segue into the sort of like second half of how I wanted to structure this conversation, Ah. Um, which is 
you know, since I'm a podcast launch specialist, I always like mm-hmm. to know sort of about the nitty gritty parts of starting a podcast. Yes. And so I know that you used a service kind of similar to mine to get jump started, which is super smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also not a person who's afraid of a challenge. Nope. Or figuring something out for yourself. Hello, three businesses. Yep. Um, (laughs) But what do you think was the most helpful part of having that sort of like expert guidance in the beginning? One, I literally didn't even know what to buy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Equipment is a big uh, barrier for a lot of people. Yeah. And like, like, you don't know the flow, you know? Like, sure, I love it. Like, sit down, record five episodes, and then you're like, well, what do I do with it now? You know, you got to know where to put it. You gotta, you gotta know how, like, to, then once you've uploaded it to a host, how do you get it out to the platforms? You know, this is all this stuff that I didn't know and I didn't want to learn by myself. Like, why reinvent mm-hmm. the wheel? There are people out there that make it a lot easier. Like, if you've ever tried to, you know, bumble your way through designing something on Adobe, well, that's not from oh, speaking God. from personal experience. <laughs> And then you hire someone off, you know, uh, Upwork and they do it in three hours and you're like, well, that was dumb. You know, (laughs) it's kind of why if you can use someone's expertise, you know, why not cost yourself the time and frustration and streamline it? And also I use a service to edit my audio because that was something that I knew that amount of time it would take to you know host and promote and and you know just kind of structure everything of the podcast was enough for me that I did not want to learn editing of audio and that would be beyond that would that was going to push me over the making the project feasible in my life so knowing your limits and that I also want to say like time is money you know so consider that like if it's going to take you 15 hours to do something because you're like a novice at it why not just see if you could afford to pay someone to do it yeah and for those who don't know you know as you probably learned like the process of actually starting the podcast is actually quite simple yeah it's just that you need you need the correct information. Like it becomes mm-hmm. overwhelming very quickly to like Google that stuff. So it's really helpful to have somebody just be like, this is what you got to do, do it. And then like, it's off your plate and you're done. Yep. And like, I was presented with steps as I went of like, okay, now we're going to work on a trailer. Okay. Now we're going to work on, you know, get us the artwork for it and it needs to be this size to this size and now like how do you eat an elephant you know one bite at a time um having somebody to dose out because if I had just sat down and like you said googled and like write my own step-by-step process of launching the podcast it would have been a hot mess it would have looked like a Sputnik not a direct path for me that was that was laid out clearly for me Totally. So I focus a lot on how to interview or how to have a good interview with somebody Mm -hmm. in my coaching because, you know, so many podcasts are interview based these days. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that people realize how tricky it is to have a conversation that actually holds your audience's attention. Mm -hmm. So what do you think surprised you the most about interviewing other women and being in this space? I love it. Like I was meant for it and I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it. I take copious notes. I've already taken notes with you interviewing me. I really enjoy holding the space for women to share their stories. And it's something that I can't identify. I mean, I will jump on this platform 
with a woman I've never met before. We've emailed a couple times and I'm like a friendly face saying, tell me about the time your husband died suddenly and you were 35. Damn. Go. You know, I mean, paraphrasing, you know, and like, that's not a little thing. That's a big thing. Like I've learned a skill about myself through this, you know, project that I have that presence. I have that presence that puts women at ease to tell me their story. You're also really good at like not allowing somebody to fall short of what you're asking them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I like. You know, especially in the beginning when you were mostly focused on the just why or, you know, Mm -hmm. just not this, you know, people can tell you in a really basic way what that was, Mm -hmm. but you like every single time did not accept that first answer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I love that because you would just like sort of go into like more specific questions and be like, no, 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 what I'm really looking for is this. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's important as an interviewer too, to just be not afraid to actually get what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I have a couple episodes from the beginning that I didn't use because I couldn't get to it. Ooh, interesting. Yep. Yep. Well, that's interesting too, because I think a lot of people or a lot of like novice podcasters don't do that. They don't edit themselves in that mm-hmm. way. Like they mm-hmm. will still publish a piece, even though it's not good. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear that you will mm-hmm. withhold something if it's not what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. I did. It was hard. And I actually advised somebody else on it as well. Um, somebody interviewed me for their podcast and we were just chatting afterwards. And she was like, what do you do when you come across this? And I was like, well, I actually did come across this and um, I just didn't use the episodes. I was like, you know, you're in charge. You know, it's your product, it's your content. Like, and I'm not saying that it wasn't, and you know, I, it was new. I was novice, yeah. And I, I was like, yeah, this isn't where I'm going with this. So, yeah, empowering people. You know, it's like there's no rule book, right, Amanda? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, you can do what you want. That's the whole beauty of the DIY of it all. You know? Yeah. That's what the spirit I'm getting for. You know, I'm not following somebody's rule book. I mean, it's my own. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's interesting to bring that up too, just because podcasting is the last democratic form of media. I don't know how Mm -hmm. much longer we'll be able to say that, but it is not regulated by the government or by any major company. Um, You know, Spotify is trying to change that, but we'll see what happens. But that's the beauty of podcasting. And that's also why you know, I only work with underrepresented voices is because mm-hmm. this is the best space to tell those stories. Yeah. There's no, nobody stopping them. Nobody's stopping you. Right. No, there's nobody stopping me from, you know, putting my pirate radio station kind of thing, you know, pirate podcast. Do you have, um, do you have like a specific sort of like set of standards in your mind for what makes a good episode or what you would not air? Or is it just kind of intuition? It was intuition. Like it wasn't at the real heart of the matter. The heart of the matter didn't get to. We didn't get to it. I tried. We didn't get to it. And I was also probably back then really focused on that because it was the first few episodes. So I didn't want to produce something that wasn't at my mission of getting to the heart of the matter, if you will. So I, it was really important. Maybe now I could, you know, let it slide, if you will, <laughs> because I have so many and the intention of the show is well known now. But in the beginning, I was very intentional about the deep end, as I like to call it. 
That's awesome. So what do you think is your, has been your biggest growth and like honing the skill of like podcasting in general? Ooh, the biggest skill, um, consistency, consistency, consistency. (laughs) It's hard. I have a lot going on. I have four children. I have three businesses. I try to set aside Wednesday for sure as my sit down in front of the desk and don't do anything else and focus on the podcast. But I, of course, end up doing stuff for my business while I'm here and make it happen. And I also give myself a break. (laughs) So I built in a schedule when I launched the show, because again, you can make up your own rules. I built in a schedule that I take December off and I take June off. So I am on for five months and then I take a month off and I'm on for five months and then I take a month off. You don't have to do it all, all the time. (laughs) I mean, I think set up appropriate, like I, I, I always wanted to be more consistent. I didn't want to be like one every blue moon, you know, once a month or once every six weeks or, you know, two this month or only seven this week or whatever, you know, I wanted to be consistent and I wanted it to be achievable. You know, I wanted to give myself that break. Um, And December is definitely time to take a break. There's so much going on with families. There's so many, there's so many activities that it was, it's a good time to take off. And then there's also traveling and stuff like that. And that's the other thing is you have to be really intentional with the scheduling of things. If it's going to come out on a Wednesday and you're using like somebody to edit it, you got to get it to them this many days in advance and da, 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 da. So that means you have to record it. You know, like I'm, I'm looking ahead all the time. I've done better at times in having episodes stacked up, you know, and then sometimes you just kind of go through them and it's, it flows of booking people, ebbs and flows, if you will, too. Um, I'll have like seven people pop up and we can like boom, 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 boom. And then sometimes I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know like tr- trying to nail like four people down, you know? <laughs> so I take it seriously also. Like, I think that that's really important. I mean, it's fun. It's a passion project for me, but I take it seriously. I don't treat it like it's just some dumb hobby that I'm doing. I take it seriously and I um, take the time to, you know, make a product that I'm proud of and that, you know, It's true. It's true. And I know that you do a lot of research and participate in workshops and are always like Mm -hmm. pushing yourself to grow in the platform and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But also just to validate you, I think that the thing that is most important about podcasting and growing an audience is consistency because people Mm -hmm. get really used to hearing you on a certain day, you know, Mm -hmm. and they want, they want that consistency and to know that you're there. Like that was the biggest thing we learned from the pandemic is that people wanted to hear other people's voices. So they felt less alone in the world. And that's Mm -hmm. always going to be true. (laughs) Like it's not just because we're trapped in a house. Like it's always Mm -hmm. going to be true that we want to connect with other people and, you know, live in those stories and those niches that we connect with. Yep. Brene Brown, you don't have to do it alone. You were never meant to. So true. And outside of the pandemic, it's so true. It's easy to say, oh, well, I can just, I can just skip one week or whatever. But I would say just do a little something, you know? Yeah. Just even record 10 minutes about like, I can't get a full episode done this week. Let me tell you why, you know, just even that, right? Acknowledging the truth. God, I cannot, right? If I had a bumper sticker, Amanda, it would be give me authenticity or give me death. Like I just cannot do things that aren't true to what they are in the spirit in their heart and their deep thing. Yeah. And we're in a space now where people don't want anything but authenticity. So Mm -hmm. like take the filters off. (laughs) 
<laughs> I got yeah, that in spades. <laughs> in fact, oh, here we go. Here we go. Amanda and I are talking today because I've had like three interviews that I haven't been able to nail down for this week. So I was like, hey, Amanda, can we do this now? Yeah. And, and she last minute was like, yeah, girl, I got you. <laughs> so here we are. Exactly. This is something I've wanted to do. And that that's also really great, too, is like being open, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's just a life thing. Just be open. <laughs> life advice from Prickly and Blooming. Yeah. Be open. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yes. Um, before I move into my wrap-up question, I do want to give you one Texas-related question and give you the opportunity to talk about this if you want to. Eee! So because everything that's happening right now um, which I'm obviously referring to the legislation that just passed banning abortions for women in Texas. There's been an interesting thing happening on social media in the last couple of days, on mine anyway, because I still have a million people in Texas. Um, and I feel like there's this interesting push-pull of people being like, I'm ashamed to be from Texas, or like, I was never from Texas. And there's like this polarizing thing, which kind of is in line with your, you know, Texas women concept and how we identify as Texans and things like that. So I'm interested if you're willing to share, to hear your thoughts on how you are grappling with it personally and how you feel about that identity as well as what's happening. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, personally, I think that if I hadn't been here for so long, I would be having a harder time with it. And if I hadn't done like personal development work, I would be having a harder time with it. Um, but I've I've done a lot of what I can control, what I cannot control. Like, grant me the serenity, <laughs> kind of, kind of things. And I can't change what it is. I live in Texas. I'm not moving tomorrow. I'm not moving next week. I'm not moving next month. You know, it is what it is. Um, and honestly, how are we going to change if we all leave? How is it going to get better if we all abandon ship? How um, the problem still exists? You know, I, I think it's, it's time to rise to the occasion. If any state could get down and dirty and, <laughs> and um, create change, it's the women of this state, you know. I'm I'm excited to see you know how we can go forward. Forget the politics. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's a much bigger issue, you know, than we're going to solve right here, but as the state uh, takes on its new identity and new population and I think that there's there's some growing that's going to happen whether people like it or not. <laughs> um, and I don't ever, like, I never think that shame is the answer. As a student of Brene Brown, also from Texas, by the way, <laughs> everyone, as a student of, of her, shame is never the way forward. You know, feeling shameful about your identity of being a Texan right now or, or vice versa, you know, or I don't know, being shameful about my Texas, not, um, my Massachusetts Yankee identity is never the way forward. You know, I think... I don't know. I'm I'm still apparently very conflicted. I'm prickly and blooming about this. <laughs> you know, because I come from... I have two very uh, distinct and opposed identities. You know, 
being from Massachusetts, which might be one of the polar opposite states of Texas. You know, the other one would be Texas, uh, California, you know, uh, or New York. Um, and then there's Massachusetts. So of, of all the states to have lived, I've gone from one extreme to the next. And I can't imagine my life not having had both of these experiences now. Are you seeing it in your daughter's? Are you starting to see and experience, mm-hmm. like, what Texas identity is through them? Yes. Or for them? Yes. Yes. And, I mean, I'll say, I feel like I came from a different country. You know, like, the the food is different. The climate is different. The culture is different. The, I mean, everything is different. I mean, if we were in Europe, I would be from a different country that far away. And um, there was a Texas history play last year that one of my children's classes did and it's been a play that goes on for years and I was mortified there was a whole song and part of the lyrics was look at weenie Rhode Island <laughs> we could just sell it anyway <laughs> like uh, Texas did not have the authority to, I'm not even kidding Texas does not have the authority to sell Rhode Island never did never has never will um, and part of the play was like a child walks across the stage with a poster on them that they're supposed to be a representation of Rhode Island and everybody points and laughs. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this was a real thing that happened really in the world. I saw it with my eyes. And, you know, as someone who's who's from, like, basically Rhode Island, you know, I was, I was just, I mean, I hadn't felt that out of place and mortified, you know, um, in a long time being um, a Texan. And... I, I had to explain to my children. I was like, that was really hard for me to listen to. And let me tell you why. Like, I'm from that area. You know, Rhode Island is just down the street. And I don't believe in the picking on the little person, you know, even if it's a state. <laughs> so we have a only recently, since I said I, I went through the process of realizing that I didn't want to let go of my identity of being a Yankee and maybe bring that in as, as the whole picture of me, that I will... I will say things like, yeah, I feel like I'm from a different state. And there was a bit of an assimilation, you know, when you moved here. And and I'm kind of owning that again. And, you know, seeing that play out in a play was was really mortifying. And um, that's part of a Texas identity, which I, I don't identify with. Because there, there's a sense of, like, we're big and we're bad, you know. <laughs> and we want to step on the little people. And I don't really, I don't, I don't like that. I know. Isn't it so interesting that our slogan is don't mess with Texas, but that was actually about um, Litter. not littering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not but many people know that. Whole new, whole new, <laughs> new meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was, a, did everybody know that litter campaign, anti-litter campaign? For- yeah. It was an anti-litter campaign because too many people were throwing crap out of their truck windows on the highway. Beer cans. I've cleaned up the Texas highways <laughs> and it's yeah. 80% beer cans out there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, my parents are in the country on a ranch, and they will, like, walk the the roads around and find just hundreds of beer cans. And they do it, like, once a week. And it's like, what is even... Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the country. It's, Nobody has anything to do, so... It's not... People riding ATVs and drinking throwing. Lone Star. Yep. And throwing it. Throwing it out. Blows yeah. my mind. Blows my mind. How much trash is on the side of the road it doesn't look like it and then you get in there and it's amazing there's bags and bags and bags of it truly well i'm excited for 
where this concept is going to go. I'm excited that you decided to take this pivot. I think it's um, going to be really interesting to sort of like focus on women and and people identifying as women through this lens of also potentially being Texan in some way, shape, or form. So is there anything that people can do to help you grow and achieve this larger vision now? Yeah, I have thrown my hat into a contest and well by this comes out um there'll be only a few days left so do it now (laughs) if you're hearing this do it now do not delay um download more episodes of the show because if you're listening to this one you've already downloaded this one go back and just go ahead and do the whole catalog great love it do it all um because the contest is based on how many downloads um every contestant can get in a limited amount of time. And um, I really want this opportunity to come through for me because this would take the show to the next level and I need everybody's help. Like if I could download it myself thousands of times, I would, you know, (laughs) tens of thousands of times I would, but I can't, I need help and it's hard to ask for help. (laughs) But But you've got your community and we can help you do it. Exactly. I exactly. It reminded me of the time Dana and I were applying for a small business grant. And I was like, oh, I got to I gotta like hone that and be like, okay, people, I need your help. Help lift me up right now. So, so then after you download the show, send it to someone. <laughs> send mm-hmm. it to three someones. Put it in a group that you're in. Because I, this little indie podcaster mama in the corner of the room has big dreams here and uh, helped me make it happen. Yeah, this is definitely a uh, outlet that you were born to do, and I would love mm-hmm. to see you succeed in it. Me um, too. So, aside from the contest that is happening right now, is there anything else that people can do to support your podcast or your platform? Uh, of course. So, I have a social media pages, and they're all under Prickly and Blooming, which you have to spell at the end. Most of the time. Yeah, I don't the Ampersand doesn't really translate. Um, it's on Instagram. There's a Facebook. There's a website called pricklyandblooming.com. Um, uh, my email is jesse at pricklyandblooming.com. Oh, here's another thing. If you know someone who would be great on the show, on my website, there, under the contact page, I believe it is, is there's a, a button um, for the Texas Women edition where you can express interest in being on the show that's right there Um, i'm thinking of all the other ways Mm. you can leave a review on apple podcasts or wherever you are listening to your podcast but apple Podcasts is most effective just fyi leave a review saying how much you love prickly and blooming not just a five star like star thing actually write a review right and it doesn't have to be a sonnet you know (laughs) (laughs) You can just write something. You can just write, um, let's see. Um, you can write Jesse is a Texan or Jesse is not a Texan. You put your opinion in the review. <laughs> right? Your answer to what makes a Texan <laughs> in the review. That's how we'll we'll do a poll in the reviews. <laughs> I love it. I do too. I come up with great ideas right on the spot sometimes. I know, right? That's what verbal processors do. Yes. <laughs> we are the same in that way. Yep. <laughs> So is there anything that I didn't ask you about or touch on that you would like to express to your listeners? I want to say that this is definitely not just a show for Texans. Um, Sure, we we have the identity of Texas women, but women are women, you know. (laughs) It's not... 
it's meant just to be more of a, a funnel, a funnel, you know, to, to book people on the show and just have like an identity that's, that's fun to be able to relate to, but it's not just for women of Texas. There's so much you can learn by listening to the stories of other people. I mean, I, as a verbal processor, I learn stuff from listening to other people as an auditory processor. I, well, as well, let's say that, I guess. Um, and so I want to provide just another way for you to uh, learn about yourself by listening to other people. And, um, yeah, I guess that's it. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of my favorite shows is, um, Esther Perel's, um, Mm -hmm. to be a fly on like people's marriage counseling sessions. Oh my God. It's like a dream come true, right? (laughs) Yeah. I've been listening to that show since the beginning. Me too. Obsessed. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And then the one, the new one, she has how's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I also I have I bought her game. It's over there on that shelf over there. Oh, I've been wanting to get it. <laughs> I Is got it, it worth it. Oh yeah. First day I I brought it. Last I went on a trip with my friends to Marfa and I brought it and we sat mm-hmm. and just read through the cards. We didn't do the whole like points and the you know what I mean. Just read the cards. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for those who don't know the the podcast we're talking about is called Where Where, where Should We Begin. We begin? Where That's we'll... there there. Thank you. Yeah. Her first one was called Where Should We Begin, and then the new mm-hmm. ones the, about work is called How's Work. Yeah, and she is a marriage and family counselor and will mm-hmm. interview, like she publishes the mm-hmm. sessions with couples. Mm-hmm. So there's a fair amount of them about infidelity in the beginning mm-hmm. um, because she has a totally different take on infidelity than most psychologists mm-hmm. and, and marriage counselors. Um, but mm-hmm. it is so fascinating. So fascinating. So intellectual and conceptual and interesting. And yeah, yep. highly yep. recommend. She, yeah, she's an author who wrote two books, uh, Mating in Captivity and... Um, State of Affairs, I think is the other one. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and she is just also like such a badass personally, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, she's just so great and such an inspiration. And they're one off shows. She's just like doing this one, you know, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. I want you to not leave without telling people where they can find you, <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my company is called How to Podcast Corp. So my website is www.howtopodcastcorp.com. So it's C-O-R-P. Um, and it's the same on all of the social media handles. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I've got a really good lengthy long form blog. So if anybody has questions about podcasting or need a place to start, like I am very generous with my <laughs> advice in written form. So you can find a lot of answers to questions on my blog, which is on my website. Love it. Love it. Anywhere else that they can find you? Um, I mean, I guess Chicago, if you want to right? come here after <laughs> yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you do, your clients are all um, virtual. They're all remote. Yep. They're all remote. I have, so this is... Yeah. I have some production clients in Chicago, but I've worked with people all over the world mm-hmm. from like Berlin to San Francisco to Texas to New York, Canada, all over. So cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming here today. And Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's really fun to get to interview somebody because I don't get to do it anymore. A reverse, like a, the blooming and prickly. That's what you call it. <laughs> I, know, I love it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, everyone, I will meet you here again next week. I will have another guest and um, well, we'll probably hear from Amanda again. Yay. <laughs> Yay. All right. <laughs> Bye. We'll see you again next week. Everything up to this point has led me here and there.
Answers may not be there to find. 